like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello there, fellow sleuths. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for budding inventors and patent trolls. I'm a, du- <laughs> I'm a double whammy. <laughs> um, so on the docket this week, Kelly, as planned, we have Nancy Drew and the clue in the diary, which was, Ooh. I think you will agree, a book full of intrigue. Uh, yes. Lots of driving around. Uh-huh, my complaint, yep. There were some auto body shops, and burr, 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 new boyfriend, Ned Nickerson, is in the house. Ned is on the scene. He's finally, finally. right. <laughs> and he's got curly hair, who he, knew? But so many things learned about Ned this week. So, um, so I have some brief opening thoughts to ponder questions for you. Hit me. Whip them on me, baby. I know you're going to be excited about this one. Uh, the psychological moment. Oh my. It's back. Appears again in this Mm -hmm. novel. Uh, So are you ready to start saying that in your daily life? Should we just do it? I am. I am. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to start identifying the psychological moment in everyday life. So it's, you know, (laughs) like in my normal life, it's like the moment where I see the cat's ears perk up three seconds before I realize the mailman's on the front porch. Oh, great example. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, like Amazon is about to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> right? Something's happening. It's just the Amazon guy. <laughs> um, okay, next question. Mm-hmm. How much money would I have to pay you to eat tinned bread, a.k.a. bread from a can? <laughs> uh, is, did that happen in this book? Yes, they eat tinned bread. Or Oh my gosh, I don't remember that at actually, all. Actually, it's the, we'll talk more about this later, it's the, the fellow who's hiding to escape oh. yeah the foxy he's hiding out and <laughs> foxy he's felix is eating tinned bread yeah he stocks yeah. up on on supplies and they're like yeah he just came in here and bought a bunch of tinned bread and i googled it and you that's can... that's either like a world war one thing or like an astronaut thing there are but i think we're pre-astronauts so <laughs> this is definitely pre-astronaut <laughs> and when i googled it to see what it was it is as gross as you think it is and there are like youtube videos of people eating it like it exists like i could make this still buy it yeah yeah um so So, i can like name my price in this situation yeah how much would it take to get you to sample some tinned bread dental benefits for a year (laughs) (laughs) too rich for my blood moving on (laughs) all right five dollars perfect sold we'll do it when i come visit you you. (laughs) perfect um, final question, and we will be discussing this in real world, and again, I can't say it, real Once world again. River Heights. Do you think Ned has it in him to beat handsome spy John McBride in the boyfriend bracket? Oh. I, I, can't, I can't wait to talk about this. I have so many thoughts. Like, we shall see. We'll see. We will see. I mean, I'm I'm fairly dedicated to handsome spy John McBride. I am as well. I'm not ready to let him go yet, but... But we shall discuss. <laughs> we will get there. Well, how how has your life been since last we spoke? Um, it's been good. I mean, it's hotter in blue blazes here in Ohio <laughs> in May. 
Um, and I live in a little historic house, as you know, which is wonderful in all aspects, except for the fact that it gets really hot upstairs. Yes. So, you know, it's mid-May and I'm already, you know, sleeping with no covers on and sweltering. You know, yeah, the cat can't touch me during the night. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, I don't need a fur blanket on top of me. Um, so that um, I am, I, it's important for you to know this, okay. as, as I am the older sister, um, I am now officially an adult. <gasps> and would you like to know how, what how that designation has come about? Yes, what threshold did you cross that has made this adulting I, a reality? <laughs> I own a lawnmower now. Get out of town. I shan't. Now, I must specify, my lawnmower weighs less than 10 pounds. It operates on a battery. What? And I'm not entirely convinced that if you put it next to, like, a play school lawnmower that someone wouldn't be able to tell a difference. <laughs> <clears throat> it's plastic. Okay. But I don't, like, my little quote-unquote lawn, I mean, that's really pushing it, is... Maybe 10 feet by one and a half feet in diameter. Okay. And yet I still must maintain it. Yes, you so, must You must trim the yes. grass The grass fronds. Yeah. So, but I have a lawnmower. It's plastic and battery operated, but it does the job. And I, I feel like really grown up. That's very exciting. Can you post a picture of it on the Instagram? I would love to see I this. I want to see it I in shall. action. I'll... I'll post a picture of it, and in the same picture, I will post the entire my a picture of my entire lawn. You'll be able to see where it starts and ends in one non panoramic camera photo. I love it. I, I'm very yes. excited for this. Yes, a photo challenge. <laughs> yes, I have a I have a photo that I will submit alongside it of me returning my stack of library books. So we we both adulted. <laughs> Are you out of library jail officially? I am. I am. Oh, did they yell? They they didn't. I put them in the hold and I put or I put them in the bin and then I the hatch, if you will. <laughs> put them and in then the I, hatch. I did not and then claim. You ran away. Yeah, I didn't claim my books that were on hold. I was like, I'm gonna just I'll come back for those in a couple days when this when this is all blown over in these parts. <laughs> this is like this is like the first time you've been so incredibly grateful to wear a mask. Yeah, I was like I was never here. <laughs> Nothing happened. They're like, ma'am, ma'am, really, like, please just stop doing this. <laughs> please just, please stop taking 45 books out at once. We know you're very talented, but you can't possibly read that quickly. Ugh. Even though you just about do. So I, I do my best. <laughs> did you Did you solve any mysteries this week? No, not a one. But okay. the, the mystery. That's such a disappointment. I know. The mystery I would like to have your help solving, though, and you are going to laugh so hard about this because it is so contrary to how I've ever been in the past. Like, I, the mystery of why am I turning into dad right now? <laughs> like, I'm actually becoming our father. No, you're not. You're just like mom. Well, like, round about nine o'clock the last couple of weeks, I've been like, you, you know, it might be time for me to be turning in. And then exactly like our father, I've been waking up at, like, four o'clock in the morning and I'm like ready to go. Oh no. That's Which, no bueno. No, it's super no bueno. And you know me, like I am a snoozer in night owl. Well yeah. you're a super duper night owl and then yeah, you still sleep in like a college kid if you can. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on, but at like four AM I've been like, oh, I guess we'll just go do this thing and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> so 
Hey, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's, uh, it's not a, it's not a terrible person to emulate. No, indeed, it's not. I, yeah. I just, I'm lonely at 4 a.m. I'm like, everybody I think, else but, is I mean, asleep. I think, <laughs> I think, I think maybe you're less like dad and maybe just getting old because I've been doing that for a long time. Like, not 4 a.m. early, but, like, I mean, the number of times in the past month where I've been like, is 8.30 too early to get into bed? And then I go, no. No, it's not. And you not. can take your pizza rolls with you. That's fine. <laughs> well, and I like, That's I bring my adult thing to do. I bring my book or my audio book and I, I'm like, and dad always talks about this, like, you know, it's time to turn the lights off when you hear the book hit the floor. And I'm like, oh, I read like about three sentences before I'm like having a deep dream. <laughs> so That's funny. It's time when you hear the book hit the floor. I've never heard him say that, but I can imagine it. Yep. You can That's hear funny. it in the dad voice. Oh, I also, we have been meaning to talk about this. So yesterday I, it's been very gray and I was just like, I want to knit and just sit and watch something. And I watched- yes all in one day all of sons of sam on netflix oh my gosh is it what did you think did you love it i loved it dude i loved it there were like not one not two but three cults (laughs) i know rife with cults at least three cults like there were other implied cults i feel like but oh man and like had you ever even i i knew about the satanic panic but had you ever heard of this crime uh, which crime? Well, like the, well, I, I mean, there were multiple, but like the New York City serial killer that slayed all of these people and. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I'd heard of Son of Sam before. Oh, I, I hadn't. That was all new. You to hadn't? Me. No. <gasps> Karen. Yeah. So I was like wrapped. Oh, uh, well, I can imagine. Yeah. No, I mean, Son of Sam is like a pretty. Uh, infamous serial killer, I would say. But so the twist on this one is that it's not Son of Sam, it's Sons of Sam. That it was Multiple. a conspiracy as opposed to a lone operator. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. I loved very it. Good. I loved it so much. Very, very creepy. And like all of the, um, the, uh, what am I looking for? Like the old television appearances mm, from. Mm-hmm. That they should, yeah, it's amazing how somebody can delve that far into a case for so long. So, yeah, anyway, very interesting. This guy, like Maury Terry, that it's about, who like yeah. crushed this case without the internet. I'm like, you are a genius. I, like, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and it did, though, it was like, it, it, there are way too many coincidences to ignore. So. Anyway, it's interesting if, uh, yeah, if you're listening and haven't watched it, it's on Netflix, right, Karen? Yes, it is on the flicks and it's so good. Like just when you think you know about every cult, I was like, man, I'm out of cults. And then I watched this and I was like, no, I'm not. There's more. (laughs) I can't believe you hadn't heard of Son of Sam, though. No, I hadn't. I hadn't. I feel like I've fallen down on my true Mm -hmm. crime job. (laughs) You have to relinquish your murderino badge. (laughs) Well, speaking of crimes, Kelly, yeah, would you like to talk about Nancy Drew? 
Oh, yeah, sure. That one. That crime. The faux <laughs> crime in question. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Several faux right crimes on. in this book. <laughs> um, yes. So we are talking about, just as a recap, Nancy Drew and the Clue in the Diary, which is book number seven in the in the Nancy Drew series. This one is the last one that was written by Mildred Wirt Benson for a while. So the next several, she's she like took a vacay. Um <laughs> She comes back, though, for number 11, so she does come back. Okay. Um, this one was published in 32, revised in 62. And from what I can tell in my, you know, admittedly minimal research on this, there the real, like, there aren't huge differences between the two revisions, um, or between the two editions. Uh, the biggest thing, apparently Nancy was originally a lot more skeptical of Ned oh, in good. the original book, which I was like, why did we edit that out? As like, was I. <laughs> I was concerned in this edition that she wasn't more skeptical of Ned. So <laughs> me too. Um, and they added in the new, in the revision, they added that whole male fraud subplot, which we will talk about more later, but oh. a lot of people hate it. And I think for very good reason. So they added that in, I couldn't find out why they just were like, let's have a subplot. So they threw that in. I was so excited when male fraud came up though, specifically because I think about male fraud infrequently. And last week you brought male fraud up when I was talking about the mystery that I solved I with did, the missing packages. I? And I was like, oh, male fraud, two weeks in a row. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, did I bring up male fraud? And I did. I think I specifically accused you of committing it. You advised well, you advised me to stop speaking in the right. event that I was about to inculcate inculcate myself in some male fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Should you speak with an attorney before telling the story, Darren? Like this might not be the right forum. <laughs> Did you open that mysterious box? I did not. I did not. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the background on this guy. They're they're obvious, you know, just like all these they've they um uh there was like an original cover illustration that they changed um in the 60s with like the flashlight edition covers. Uh and the the original illustration I think is really cool. It's not all that different, but there's firefighters in the background. Oh. Um and Nancy is wearing some, like, flapper girl clothes in it. What? And, you know, just casually stopped to casually check out a fire and casually found a casual diary while casually wearing a flapper outfit. That, like, so, I, hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well. Anyway. You've got my interest peaked, as always, Kelly. Um, I do what I can, Karen. I do what I can. You crushed it. Uh, I'm about to not crush it because the next yeah, thing we, we <laughs> the next thing we wanted to talk about was the winner of the one sentence plot submission, and we forgot. <laughs> yeah, we just we just forgot to do it. I mean, it, so as a theater kid, I had this experience all the time, which was and and including not even just as a theater kid like in college but like doing professional theater i have no idea career, where this is going <laughs> where i would be backstage and you know 250 performances in i would go like oh this is a really cool part of the show i don't think i've ever seen this before <laughs> and then the next thought is oh crap what am i supposed to be doing right now 
<laughs> that's uh, there's a reason that. i've never yes. seen this part of the show <laughs> it, it's happened to me and, and i guarantee you if there are any theater people listening to this they've had that moment before where it's like this is really great how come i i can't believe i've never seen this before uh-oh that is so fun i i have nightmares about i i have nightmares probably at least once a month about theater and it's like go on stage. We're going to do this show that you did your sophomore year of high school. You're in costume. Go say your lines. And I'm like, I don't remember this place. So yes, I know that. Do your best. Bolt yeah. of fear. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> I had that moment and I was doing blast the tour of blast. Oh yes. And we were, we, it was like a one nighter. And so I was, I think I was head props on that. Yeah. I was head props on that show. And I was trying to pack up as we went. Like it was a very like clean as you go in the kitchen philosophy. But like mm-hmm. as soon as like a drum would come off stage, I would be like, this drum isn't used anymore. I'm going to pack this drum. So that, on the like, truck. at yep. some point I can go to sleep tonight. And I was packing so vigorously that I missed like three cues. And I remember thinking like, oh, I've got a whole lot of time to pre-pack this is amazing like why don't i normally take advantage of this and it was like oh because we're still actually trying to do a show right now kelly like wake up so i tell you these stories to say i had that moment with the one sentence plot thing this week where today this morning same it was the today for me too i'm like we forgot mm-hmm. something. What was it? Oh, yes. I was like, I, I had pulled up our Instagram for something. And I was like, hmm, what would we normally, like, I feel like we should normally have posted something else aside from just the the episode release last week. And I went, oh, I didn't post the rating. That's what I need to post. And then it occurred to me, I was like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. The reason why you had so much time on Friday is because normally you take 15 minutes out of your full 24-hour day and post (laughs) that thing. And you didn't do it. That's why you had that extra 15 minutes. And, you know. Well, Well, anyway. You know what? We got a a fantastic theater story out of it. So I think when one one door closes, another opens, Kelly. That was (laughs) very Mother Superior of you. Thank you. Thank you. Well... We shall move along then, and that means, my dear sister, it is time for the Super Fast Plot Overview by Kelly, by you. It is by me. Okay. Okay. Yes. Nancy, Bess, and George attend a carnival at which they meet Mrs. Swenson, and I keep wanting to call her Mrs. Svenson because I know they're (laughs) Swedish. Oh, my God, I'm dying. (laughs) Okay, so they attend a carnival at which they meet Mrs. Swenson and her adorbs daughter, Honey, who can't afford tickets to go to the carnival. They all become fast friends when Nancy and co. host Mrs. Swenson and Honey at the carnival. Honey's dad, Joe Swenson, is an inventor and has been missing for about a month. And with him gone, Mrs. Swenson and Honey are in dire financial straits. No shock, Nancy is determined to help them. On their drive home from the carnival, Nancy, George, and Bess see a beautiful home explode into flames. They immediately drive to the burning house to try to help anyone who is trapped inside. During this mission, Nancy sees a gaunt man sneaking away through a hedge. She finds a diary that she believes the stranger has dropped and vows to read it closely later for clues. 
More neighbors arrive along with the fire department, and it's then that Nancy finally meets Ned Nickerson, a local frat guy who goes to move her car away from the flying sparks. Once the danger from literal sparks is over, metaphorical sparks begin to fly. The next day, Ned calls Nancy at like 8.45 in the morning to tell her he also found a clue at the scene, a signet ring. He brings it to her, they eat cake, hashtag romance. Long story short, Nancy investigates the diary and the ring. Even though the diary is mostly in Swedish, she figures out that both items are Joe Swenson's and that it was Joe she saw running from the burning home. The home belongs to Foxy Felix Raybolt and his wife, who are widely disliked. Foxy Felix's career is to swindle patents from inventors like Joe Swenson, and he's made a lot of money and a lot of enemies. Not only has the house been destroyed, Felix is missing and believed to have died in the explosion. Nancy eventually tracks down Joe, finding him working under an assumed name in an electrical factory that happens to be owned by a nervous guy who ran into Nancy's car, which, frankly, has no bearing on anything, but it happened, so I'm mentioning it. Joe confirms that he was at the fire. He was there to meet with Foxy Rayburn, who had swindled him out of a lot of money in a patent deal, but Joe swears he didn't set the fire. Nancy wants to believe him because his downfall would ruin his family. Oh, and Joe tells her he's been sending money to his wife and to Honey, but Nancy tells him they never received it. She sets up a sting operation at the post office, and in like two hours, they've caught the crook. Shortly after, Joe gets arrested for arson and Raybolt's potential murder. Luckily, Nancy has a friend who is a Swedish baker, and he translates the rest of Joe's diary for Nancy. This reveals another clue. Rayburn kept important papers hidden in his house, not in a safe deposit box. Nancy realizes that Rayburn may have been hiding out nearby, waiting for investigators to leave the scene to return to collect these important papers. She plans a stakeout that night with George and Bess to wait for Rayburn and catch him in the act. George and Bess fall asleep pretty much immediately. When Nancy sees a figure sneak into the ruins, she follows and discovers Rayburn trying to burn papers he's removed from an apparently fireproof safe. She puts out the fire, and with the help of Ned and Carson who show up at that, and I quote, psychological moment, Rayburn is captured. Joe is released and compensated for his invention on the spot by Foxy Felix. The papers Nancy saved prove that Foxy owes money to lots of inventors, including a client of Carson's. Foxy's wife is also captured and pretty much immediately confesses to have helped plan everything. The Rayburns were going to frame Joe, collect the life and fire insurance money, and disappear together. Woof. The Swensons are reunited and now have plenty of money. They give Nancy, George, Bess, and Ned gifts, including the signet ring. Ned pretty much asks Nancy to fill up his dance card, and she tells him they'll need to find another mystery to work on together. The end. Beautiful work, as always. Thank you. I got a I song. did my best. I got a song stuck in my head based on something that you wrote. I was like, Joe didn't start the fire. It was always right. <laughs> <laughs> That's Billy my Joe, Please don't sue us. <laughs> So that was that was that convoluted little book. <laughs> convoluted little book. Tagline mm-hmm. forever. <laughs> Before we kind of like dig into the meat of the episode, general thoughts and musings. You know, I thought this book was pretty okay as far as Nancy Drew books go. <laughs> it was like pretty okay. However, you may recall that I have some long standing beef that 
<laughs> there hasn't been a magician yet in these so, books. Okay, I was like so nervous what you were getting ready to say. I'm like, you're getting ready to bring up something from when we were like six, aren't you? No, I'm not, but I can if you want. <laughs> Some- <laughs> I got I got him ready. No, like I, there was a missed opportunity in a previous book where we could have had like a subplot with a magician and I feel yes. really salty about it still. I was so excited on like page one of this book when we're at a carnival, a traveling carnival. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I thought, what better locale than a traveling for carnival? Some serious shenanigans? Yes. For, and yeah. like, for a totally different Nancy Drew book than we've ever encountered before. But that, so the whole book, I'm like, let's go back to the carnival. Let's see what's <laughs> going on in that traveling carnival. And that's it a good, that's a good point. And it didn't happen. I, so I felt, I felt sad is what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, now I feel sad, too, because that would have been more fun. And I I do think in retrospect with, you know, seven books under our belt now, my mm-hmm. favorite ones are the ones where they're not in River Heights. Same. They they have like a fun location situation, even if it's just like Lilac Inn. Yes. Know? Like, let's go someplace off the beaten path that we haven't been to before. It would make sense. To have a whole other cast of characters that we've somehow never yes. encountered before. And I'm like, oh, carnival. Mm. This this is it. We've done it. This is going to be great. And then they're just like, that was a... Time to leave. Yeah. That was like a <laughs> This mystery happens in the car ride home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I felt like we had another huge missed opportunity in this book. But uh, what... Well, and, and, to, and to tag on to your beef with the carnival, <laughs> I thought it was a really... Um, nonsensical place for them to have like theoretically the entire point is that they meet up with mrs swenson and honey and that's how they get involved with the mystery but why would mrs swenson have taken her daughter to a carnival knowing that she doesn't have the money to get them into the carnival right yes it didn't make any sense this was this she had just set herself up to fail they're just like we'll linger mm-hmm. outside and sadly gaze at the entrance gate and know that right we can't access the fun so right i'll just take my child to go look at the fun happening behind this big set of bike rack <laughs> <laughs> you raise a really good point i hadn't thought about that and you're correct so Do you think they had bike rack at 1930s traveling carnivals they had to have something they had yeah i mean just There's put lions of- on chains around the perimeter or <laughs> yeah, you'll, we'll never know because they didn't write about the carnival at all which <laughs> was terrible so so sad take that to my grave i don't know well, I, i'm salty about it too oh sorry sorry and i had like seven other things to be salty about with well this book. i want to hear them what were what were your thoughts and musings <laughs> Um, well, we will get to my, I should just, so, so my first section of this episode is called things that made no difference, but I'm <laughs> going to change it to things that made me salty. So perfect. Um, but before we get into that, I'll just say I liked it. I didn't love it. It was like a real flashback to like, me, like the hidden staircase mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing for me. Um, and even the old clock where there's just like too much driving around. Um, yes. I don't know. I just, I couldn't put my finger on it exactly because parts of it I really liked. And I'll tell you, the one part I did really like was the whole let's frame Joe Swenson. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, They just didn't do a very good job of it. That's, I agree. I agree with that. Completely. Like, 
Joe really helped round out his own framing by being a total <laughs> dropski klutz. <laughs> yes. I have so some Joe's notes on dropper. that as well. Yeah. Perfect. So, um... Section one. Normally, we've been doing the lexicon of Nancy Drew. There's not a ton of lexicon to discuss here, although there are a couple of things. Yes. Um, and then we're going to get into real section one, which is things that made no difference, aka things that made me salty. Um, <laughs> I like the on the on the spot pivot for the section it title. Just, That's it, it's perfect. I'm, we bob and weave here yeah. on It's a Clue. Um, so a few interesting lexicon things. Karen, what, pray tell, is a sport dress? I do not know, Kelly. I do, I have never, I certainly have never worn a sport dress, have you? <laughs> I haven't. Also, I will tell you, the illustration that is opposite that phraseology, like, literally, it's like, page left is, haha, <laughs> page left. Now I'm thinking theater <laughs> Um On the left-hand page is, you know, Nancy just talking about her sport dress. And then on the right-hand page, there is an illustration where she's wearing, like, a pencil skirt. Like a... And... A fancy... Like, heels and a yes. full blouse or sweater situation with, like, a sleeve, you yep. know? I'm like... Yep. A okay. Fine. I don't I don't um, know what it is. I'm like, I guess it's probably sweat wicking so that one can... <laughs> I don't know. Do activities. Well, I... Yeah. Sports I just feel dress. like it's probably like if if we were to Google this, right, which I didn't because this is not a research podcast, but um, I feel like it's probably something where you can cross your legs, like at the knee, not the ankle. Oh, you know, like, you know it's probably something that gives you like a wider step. Interesting. That that adds up. Yes. You can do an overhand, an overhand tennis serve. <laughs> there you go. But you're right. It could have something to do with the uh, the wicking properties of the material. I have I have no idea. See, the, I'm, I'm following up on my promise last week to make up fun facts. Sport dress. It's sweat wicking. Now we know. <laughs> there you go. Decision made. Uh, did you have Did you have any lexicony things to discuss? I did. I had one word that I wanted to tell you that I was very excited mm, do about. Tell, do tell. It was my my favorite one that I had never heard. I don't know if you had, but they. I can't even remember who says it, Kelly. I'm the worst. I'm fired. But it's related to the house that goes up in an incendiary disaster. And they're like, it must have been a real fire bug involved. And I was like, a fire bug? And fire bu yeah, you'd never heard that before? No. And I thought it probably meant just arsonist, but I Googled it and it means pyromaniac. Which is, like, so much more intense than an arsonist, even. I mean, all related in the Venn diagram of setting things on fire. But I'm like, firebug, that's great. I'm going to use it. I've heard it mostly used on every episode of Forensic Files where there's an arson. Oh! And there are 7,000 episodes of Forensic Files, and I would say a good tenth of them involve arsons, and those <laughs> people are all firebugs. It's a very... A very ubiquitous word on forensic files. I had no idea. This was my first firebug moment and mm -hmm. I clung to it. Hey, good one though. Thank you. So we got firebugs and sport dresses. Yeah. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah, the more you know. So okay, so on to things that made no difference. And listen, I will I will like asterisk this with if you can tell me a reason why this happened, I would love to know. Okay. Any of these things. But otherwise they just all felt like like, there's a difference to me between a red herring, which is a device in a book or in a story that intentionally 
throws you off. Right. Steers you in the wrong direction, right? Down the wrong path. Yep. Right. These things just felt like not that. It was it was like we need to fill up, you know, 30 more pages, so we better add something else. But tell me if there was a reason. Okay. I like this. It feels like a challenge. I'm ready. Perfect. I love a challenge. Number one. Joe Swenson. Why did he just disappear? Like, why did his family think he was missing? Um, I realized he was writing letters with money in them that were being stolen. However, wouldn't you think that after weeks of being away, he would pick up the phone to, like, talk to his wife and child? Or, I don't know, presumably, like, have them move the, what seemed like a substantial distance between where they lived in this little this little tiny place to where he now has a permanent job at this electrical factory. So I, I just, I'm like, uh, why was he like gone off the face of the planet? I do not have it. This is in fact, a thing that made no difference and also made me salty. Like, and I, I, the one thing I will counter you on is I didn't really feel like he was working that far from home. Cause Nancy is like, driving back and forth between these places like crazy. And I'm like, true this bro. Just like, got a job two towns over and now right. and he's like wife i'm gonna go get this job over you know it's 45 minute drive over here and she's like he must be dead because i haven't heard from him in a month and i would think he would be like apoplectic with fear at that point like something horrible right. has happened to my husband right he's gone yeah like they well, live in tacoma i will counter and you with this on the distance okay if he's that close, why doesn't he go home on the weekends? Correct. Like none of this makes sense. Like, why are you? Sense. Why are you mailing these checks? Drive right. it over. <laughs> right. Maybe double check and be like, "Yo, babe, uh, I'm putting twenty five bucks in the mail to you. Keep an eye out." Right. Yeah. No, I don't have an answer for that. This made no sense to me as well. Okay. Good talk. Um. <laughs> The mail fraud thing. So this case, this was one of the updates in the 62 or 63 edition in that revision. Um, and the thing that every, the reason why people hate it is because it makes absolutely no difference to the plot at all. None. Zero point. There is no point to it. None. There's really not. I mean, the only thing you could argue that it does is that it puts... Honey and Mrs. Swenson in a really dire position, which then is what triggers Nancy to want to get involved with their lives. Um, but, like, it didn't need to be mail fraud. Like, you know what I mean? It could have just been, like, Joe's looking for a job and they're poor. I think I you, it just seemed odd. I think you've solved it, though. I think that's right. Like, they set up this scenario where Nancy needed an entry point into the mystery. It, it was that... Mrs. Swenson and Honey were impoverished and couldn't afford to go into the carnival because they're lacking money. Mm -hmm. And so we had to have some mechanism that's like, he had, yeah, yeah. It, it was like the connecting point of like, Mr. Swenson's not dead. He actually has a job, but they're not getting the money. And so, I don't know. I just feel like if we had cleaned up point number one that you made, which made no sense right. about why Joe is 45 minutes away and not, not like, bringing the money home. Like, if we had fixed that plot hole, we wouldn't have needed mm-hmm. the mail fraud. Right. I just, like, and in, in you're right. It all ties in together. And I just, I like, I... 
I understand why Joe needed to be, like, missing, but let's give him a better reason. Like, let's throw a little amnesia at him. Let's throw a little blackmail at him. You know, yeah. maybe, um, you know, let's let's come up with something a little more interesting than he just, like, forgot his home phone number. I mean, I don't think they have a home <laughs> phone number because they don't have any money, but, like, whatever. He, there are ways. This is a general question because this may have had a point and I just missed it, but... What was the deal with the guy in the truck that, like, almost runs them off of the road into a ditch or off of that rickety bridge? Right. So let me say this out loud and tell me if I remember this. So Nancy and co. are driving all around and they have to drive across a ramshackle bridge that they're Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if even the convertible is going to get across with all three of us. And then a big truck. Yeah, like reminiscent a big, big of truck. reminiscent of the secret in the old clock, like comes swerving mm-hmm. up around them, and they think the bridge is going to collapse, and then yeah, there's no robbers inside does, of it, or no, he just like pulls past them. I think this is the classic. We've had one of these in several of the books now, like John McBride getting his flipper stuck under the rock, and mm. and George getting bit by the snake, where we're just kind of like, uh, and I I think it is simply. A mechanism danger. to be like, they're in danger. They can get yeah. truly hurt in this. But yeah, not related to the mystery is my takeaway on that. Thank you. Um, next, I call him Nervous Weston. <laughs> so Mr. Nervous Weston is the guy who, at the scene of the fire... And, oh my gosh, I just have to say this because I, I literally laugh so hard at this over and over again. So Nancy and co pull off the road to check out this fire that's happening to see if they can help. And it, over the course of the time they're there, so many people show up to check out this fire that when they go to leave, there is a traffic jam. There's a traffic jam. <laughs> it's like leaving a Beyonce concert. I was like, thinking, I'm like, this is like leaving out. Riverbend. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, so they can't get out. So anyway, while they're sitting there, uh, George is like, hey, that guy's going to hit us. And sure enough, this Mr. Nervous Weston just drives his car <laughs> right into the back of Nancy's poor little convertible, which is really taking a beating. Yeah. Um, because he, like, loses control and he's nervous. And then he shows up again when Nancy goes to collect... The mut- like she basically it sounds like he doesn't want to like get his insurance involved, which fine. So she like hand delivers the receipts from her auto body repair to his factory, which happens to be where Joe Swenson is now working, and he like pays her. End of story with Nervous Weston. So we had to have we had to have Nervous Weston because he was her entry point to the factory. She's like, I think this guy probably works somewhere around here. Let's start can- canvassing. Is that, I never know how to say that. Let's canvass it canvassing. Yeah, I think it's canvassing. <laughs> Let's start canvassing the local employment situations where Joe might I, be. I want it to be canvassing now though. Come convossing. on. Let's canvass the local employers. And she's like, well, funnily enough, I have to go. It's a coinc- a coincidental thing, but it's her entry point into the factory to find Joe. 
she's like, I happen like, to be here. I happen to be getting this money. And she's like, does this person work here? And he's like, let me talk to personnel. I run the place. So, like, he is a convenient link. And had he not run into her, maybe she would have gone there. She had, like, five other places on her list. Maybe she would have gone there last. And then this book would have been um, 600 pages. Okay. All right. I'll buy that. That's my that's my hunch. Okay. I guess he also knocked off her bumper. This was also a funny point. He he practically knocks her entire bumper off. And she's like, I don't even think I can drive this thing to the auto body. And this gave her yet another reason to interact with hunky Ned Nickerson. Mm. Who just like goes, oh, I'll solve that problem and rips the bumper the rest of the way. Yeah, off. he did. I like that. <laughs> I was like, he's a hulking car savior. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I got this, boo. All right. So, okay. I'll, I'll accept that about Nervous Weston. Um, you know, there are a couple of other little things. I won't say I'm salty about them. I think they're just like, you know, things that she went to investigate while, while looking for first Joe. And then she's looking for Foxy Felix, who she thinks is not dead. But like, there's the shack in the woods. Irrelevant. Okay. Good talk. Yeah. The shack in the woods where they like, they like sneak around it, right? And mm-hmm. George is like, and someone's they think they inside. Hear somebody in it. Yeah, and then there's and not. then and then they and then they do a full B and E. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Irrelevant. You say. Thank you. And lastly, Carson's crossover case. So I'm glad you brought this up. Can you talk me through this? Because it was not until the very end of this book that I'm like, didn't Carson have a case too? And we didn't, we didn't have a full double whammy this time. Like we usually do where their cases combine. And I'm like, what was Carson even doing? I don't, I don't know. Carson was representing another inventor that had been swindled out of money because this other inventor, I can't think of the guy's name, but this other inventor was suing Rayburn. And so Carson was in the process of like trying to put together a lawsuit. And so there, it was just like, that was pretty much it. And the only thing that kind of happened was at one point, Carson is able to tell Nancy that some, some kind of intel about where Rayburn may be hiding out because of this client of his, but it didn't pan out. Um, no. and then, and then at the end, Nancy, the, the papers, the documents Nancy saves from Rayburn's trying to burn. Um, she puts the fire out and saves these documents. They're able to prove that a bunch of inventors had been swindled and, you know, exactly the amount of money that Rayburn owes all of them, including this inventor that Carson is representing. But it just, which, like, I'm not, again, I'm not salty about it. Okay, fine. Like, it just, it, it was like, to have that crossover in the case, you would think that there would be a lot more overlap in Carson's involvement with the case. I That's very fair. My main takeaway was a point that we perhaps have belabored previously. But, like, I felt like this was just another example of Nancy doing Carson's, doing a man's job for them. Like, she's like, I solved it. You're good to go, dad. Now you're going to win your case. Most revered attorney in River Heights. And he wouldn't have solved that case without her doing her sleuthing. So I'm still just like, and in this one, like Carson was even, this is the first time I felt he, and like, not in a bad way necessarily. Like the man's trying to work. Okay. I get it. But 
he he felt dismissive of her in this book. Like, at one point, he actually, he was like, I only have five minutes for you. <gasps> he did do that. That was the first time he kind of, like, scootled her out of his mm-hmm. office and was like, what, what, mm-hmm. what? Move along. I, and I'm I, like, I'm sorry. She's trying to solve your case. I was also taken aback by that moment. I'm like, Carson, that is not the way we speak to Nancy. The, the other thing he did, and I actually, there are a couple of things that happened. And this was one of them where I went back and double checked to make sure that Mildred Ward Benson had actually written this one. Because it's like, is this one where it switches author? Because this seems so weird. That happened. And then when Nancy gets home with her car all beat up, he immediately says something to her along the lines of, what kind of lawsuit do I have to worry about? He does say that. I uh-huh. And she's like... It took her a minute, and then she goes, oh, you think that I hit somebody? No, somebody hit me, and I got all of his information, and we've got a plan, and I'm going to go take it, and then he's going to pay me back. Like, have you met me? Come on. Yeah. Right. And I was like, why are you Why are you doubting your very capable teenage daughter? Mm. Very good point. Good points. Oh. I didn't love any of that. So, all right. This concludes my things that made no difference section. I'm not trying to sound snarky. I just, I think all of those things are why this book like bugged a little bit. It just, it had a lot of like loose ends isn't the right word, but like a lot of things that just ultimately didn't make any difference to the plot. Open questions. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, here, let's talk about what did go well in terms of yes. the mystery. So yes, I'm the, jazzed. I'm here for it. The classic mystery elements. So number one, right off the bat, we got two clues. They are yes. both, good ones. They are both dropped by Joe Swenson. So quick recap, the house Joe explodes, and Chandler, you know, both <laughs> droppers. <laughs> so the house explodes. Nancy's like, oh, I better go rush into the smoldering inferno to save lives. And she, like, goes up there in the in the heat of the moment. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep, that's where we're at today. Yep. She goes up there, and she's sleuthing around mere moments after this house has exploded. And she sees a guy sprinting away from the flames, and, of course, that's suspicious. And then finds that he has dropped... Or she thinks he's dropped, and he had, in fact, a diary in mm-hmm. the grass as he was. Which is apparently a away. very Swedish thing to have. Oh, is it? I it's, they they talk about it in the book. It's like oh, lots of Swedes keep diaries. It's like his his leather traveler's journal, and mm-hmm. she picks up this diary, which is as noted in the title, the crux of this entire mystery. So mm-hmm. we also find out that Joe dropped a second item which is a signet ring. And Nancy doesn't find it. Ned actually finds it because Ned, for some reason, I think like later that day or the next day, is also sleuthing around and is like, oh, a ring. And my takeaway from this was like, does Joe, like, why are you just dropping all of your belongings? Like, get the man a messenger bag, like, or sew up his pocket. Like, does he have pockets? Yeah. What is happening? So Joe is just dropping clues left and right, which honestly, thank God he did because those clues are what exonerate him and allow Nancy to like prevent him from spending the rest of his life in the like, what is it? It's like Maple Town, Mapleville. Maple. Yeah. Maple, Maple, something, something. Yeah. So, so my takeaway on this is, who is securing these crime scenes that we've got two teenagers just running in and out of what turn what they what they think is both 
an arson scene and a yeah. potential homicide scene. Yeah. And they're just like running about gathering clues removing off premises critical evidence like, and we never heard of chain of custody and like they and like nancy at several points thinks to herself which we are privy to like mm, i wonder if i should tell the cops about this diary mm-hmm. and she's like not not yet i should mm-hmm. i should figure it out first and so she's yeah, like on, withholding on evidence from the police can you blame her no, I mean, they're, after, inept. they're inept. <laughs> after six of these, right, I too would be like, you know what? I may be more equipped to deal with this. Like, she And know? she's correct. But I, your question very much stands like, how are these people wandering into this explosion zone? And I, I agree. Um, the other thing, so you already talked about this a little bit, but we had a mail fraud sort oh. of sting operation, which yes. while... The mail fraud itself was not entirely the most relevant thing that ever happened. I liked the way that Nancy solved it. Me too. She was like, oh, somebody's stealing mail that has money in it. I am going to send some mail with money in it. And then we're going to watch where it goes. And if mm-hmm. it makes it to its destination, and then we'll... I, I didn't really... I'll be honest. I didn't really fully understand how they executed that and like nabbed the guy stealing the mail but they did (laughs) i think what they did was the you know yes exactly what you said she's going to essentially like pose as a person who's sending a money order through the mail right and she's really doing it right um and then they're going to check at like three or four different points throughout the process to see where the money has gotten taken where the envelope has not has gotten lost, oh, quote like unquote, the, right? The checkpoints. Ex- no pun intended. Yes. <laughs> that one was that one was totally unintentional. <laughs> At the money order points. Yes. Um so yeah, like she she buys the money order and mails the thing and then they check the outgoing mailbags to see if it's there. And mm. so if it had been in the mailbags, they would have known it was nobody involved at that mail station. And then they were going to check it again at the incoming mail station, like at its destination station. And if it wasn't there, then they knew it had disappeared somewhere along the route. Interesting. I'm glad you explained this to me. Yeah. Now, how they whittled whittled it down to the guy who sold the money order, I don't know. But they did. What I loved is that, I mean, it's... It's an interesting, it's a very logical way to solve this mystery, right? Like, it's very logical. I love that it took 18-year-old Nancy Drew to be like, okay, I've got a plan, and I'm going to put this plan into motion, and then I'm going to go across the street and watch a movie while you guys catch the guy. It took the length of a movie for this whole problem that had been going on for, like, what, according to the, the Postmaster General's son that she sat next to at, at Ned's dinner party? Like, Bill, yeah. They've been going on for a long time. And it takes her, she's like, oh, well, I know how we'll solve this. To the point where, <laughs> didn't they, like, say, this is such a good plan, we're going to implement it at, like, all these other locations where this has been happening, too? <laughs> yes. Yes. Once again, Nancy needs to get paid. She's like, I didn't add that to the section about Nancy's growing resume, but, like, USPS yeah. protocol operations mm-hmm. manager yes. is now part of it. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Good job, Nan. Good job, Nan. Um, 
final two things. Obviously, we had a stakeout. And I, you love a stakeout. Like, you always call out when there's a stakeout. And we had a stakeout in this book where Nancy's like, listen, up at the exploded house, the cops have finished their investigation. I love that you're calling it an exploded house. That's what it is, Kelly. blew up and she's like the cops are going to be rolling out later today which means that oh wait i've gotten ahead of myself she realizes in the diary that the perpetrator has documents hidden in the house that she believes are the the crux of all of this and she's like i bet they're there i bet they're in a safe somewhere that is not exploded but now that the cops are clearing out the perpetrator is going to come back. He'll return. Yeah. He'll come back to the yeah. scene of the crime. And if we are laying in wait, I'm going to catch him in action, busting this safe open and I'll grab the documents and case closed. And that in fact mm-hmm. is exactly correct. It's exactly what happened. Um, and then we'll talk more about this with George and Bess. They are the horrible stakeout companions, but uh, terrible. Stake- also, I will, I, I we got to talk to on the stakeout about, Hannah's insistence that she, quote unquote, take a man. Oh, my God. I could not. That was actually what made me think someone different had written this book. You mentioned, mm-hmm. like, was this still Mildred writing? Because that was the first time that I felt someone had been like, you better bring a man along with mm-hmm. you. And I was like, oof, where did that yeah, come oof. from? Like, the whole point I of mean, these books is she doesn't need a man to come along because she's right. freaking Nancy Drew. And so when Hannah said that, I was like, Hannah just lost, like one gorilla mask or whatever the rating scale will be. I was like, I don't like Like, it. I can, I can understand Hannah. Hannah seems to be the only one who's like genuinely ever worried about Nancy's safety. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and be like, Hannah just is like, you better take somebody who can like, actually, I don't know. I shouldn't say it like this, but like, Nancy, can you actually fight off this full-grown, like, 45-year-old man who's incredibly motivated to get away because he's committed, like, three times types of felonies? Like, hey, how about that big football player you're dating? Maybe take him, too? That's fair. Um, The way it was said was not ideal. It wasn't great. No, I didn't like it either. (laughs) I didn't like it, which is why I'm bringing it up. It irked me. What I loved was that Nancy was like, we'll see. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she went anyway. She certainly did not allow not having a man stuff. Like, she was like, okay, if it'll make you feel better, I'll try to get Ned to go. Ned's not answering his phone. Tried. I'm going anyway. Yep. Like, we're yeah. tonight, tonight we ride, ladies. <laughs> we ride at midnight. <laughs> or at 9 We're going to grab the owl by the body and ride at 10. Yep. Yeah. And they do. The last thing I'll say before we move on to the section I cannot pronounce, um, there was insurance fraud, which is a, mm. such a classic mystery mm. element. Like, I'm going to burn down my own house. I'm going to fake my own mm. death so that I can collect on my own insurance policy. It, yeah. It's so good every time. Mm. I know it happens in so many things, but I just love it every time. And Very good. Yes. It, it, and it does. It definitely follows on the heels of a longstanding tradition in the Nancy Drew novels of, like, People collecting financially on wills. based crimes. Yes, yeah. fi- financial crime like wills, buried yeah. money, um, moving assets around to try to trick people out of their wealth. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm here for the mm-hmm. insurance fraud. Yeah, and and it's a it's a new motive in these books, so that's kind of interesting. So yeah, yeah, good job. That's what I got. That's what I got for you. 
Okay. Section three. Real world River Heights. You make AKA that sound. Friends and dating. You make it sound so easy when you say it, and I can. Re- I really had to hold my mouth right. <laughs> real world. Real River world. Heights. Yes. Um. Okay. We got to talk about Ned. Yes, we obviously. do. Yes, we do, Ned. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Before we dive in too much into Ned, I just need to say, I knew that. Ned was going to be showing up pretty soon. I was 100, 1 million, 1,000 trillion percent not expecting him to be a stranger. I truly thought the Ned who was mentioned in Shadow Ranch, he's off in Europe right now. They, yes, they were aware of him. Right. I thought that was our Ned, right? So, like, I didn't think this was going to be a stranger introduced. Yeah, that's a good point. And pretty much every fellow youth, like, hello, fellow kids that they've met along the way, they have no, like, the people their age, they have known. They're like, oh, yeah, she went to our high school. Like, especially, I mean, with the exception of John McBride, who is the best. Like, they've known all the other dudes. John's a grown-ass man. Right. Like, they knew Dirk. They knew Don. Like, they all went to high school together. So, like, well, Ned's from a different town. That's true. That's you are you are correct. But that yes, the continuity but so, error. The only thing I can assume now at this point is that Nancy knows Ned Dickerson, who is from Maple Town Villages or wherever, <laughs> and she knows Ned that she went to high school with, who is in Europe. There's two Neds in the world of Nancy Drew. That's I don't think. I don't think there are. I think it is just straight up bad no. editing. <laughs> But it would help me if there were two. I know. You're right, though. Okay. So, anyway. um, Okay. Did you feel like Ned was being, like, a tiny bit thirsty? The most thirsty, Kelly. <laughs> I would... Okay. I highlighted a passage. Oh, God. I don't even know if I can find it right now. I, you know what? I'm not even going to look it up because I know exactly what it says. There is one point when she returns home from her driving all around... Helen creation and hannah goes ned nickerson tried to call you five times today and i was like yes no ned that is not the way that you woo the ladies he called five times in one day like no uh uh-uh. yeah Very, yeah yes. like ned he's up bro too much like too and and he's just like they'll be driving along he's waiting on the side of the road like oh fancy uh-huh. seeing you here like that's creepy yeah like, he showed up at our house several times, like, without calling first. Unannounced. And, and, I mean, I think I said it in the plot recap, where, like, the day after he meets her, he calls her. It's not even 9 o'clock in the morning, and he blow, he's blowing up her phone and, like... Yeah. Yeah, invites himself over that night. Now, granted, he sounds kind of cute, but still, like, a little... Which, I had this to talk about later, but, like... Or maybe it's in your section, but because of that, I genuinely love Nancy's reaction to him at the end of the book. Oh my god, I can't wait to talk about it. Yes, we'll talk she, about it later. But she, yeah. she clearly is into him. Like yes, first she's totally time, into him. first time since John McBride that she has blushed. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've got we've got blushing, and yes. so like she's definitely into it, but she's keeping him at arm's length, which uh-huh. a lover. Uh, we do find out that he's a frat boy. How do you feel about that, sis? Not 
great. Like, the first thing she notices is she's like, oh, it's a tall, curly-haired guy wearing a fraternity pin. And I was like, I could have I could have done without Beta Theta Pi emblazoned on his mm-hmm. letter jacket. I could have lived my whole life without knowing that about Ned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, did, what were your thoughts on that? I, it, eh, just, I was like, okay. Not my favorite. <laughs> so I guess he's in college, right? Is that what that means? So he's maybe oh, a little older than she is. Wow, I feel like an idiot. I did not even I, go there. It, no, it literally <laughs> just occurred to me. I was like, oh, I guess that means he's at least a year older than she is. I did not even put that. Yeah, you are correct. That's why. Okay. Yep. Thank you. I'm going to I'm gonna see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably conclude with this because this is... This has been troubling me about Ned this whole book. And I will, I will, I need to say, I like Ned. I think he seems really fun and kind and like supportive of Nancy. And like, he seems like a genuinely cool guy. So like, I'm not trying to like rip on Ned. Maybe this is more of a rip on Nancy, but if I didn't know any better, if if I had never read these books, if I had absolutely no knowledge of the Nancy Drew, like, universe, and I didn't know that Ned Nickerson was, like, her boyfriend and going to be around for forever, I would have thought the entire time that he was the culprit. I would have thought from the very beginning that he was the bad guy or one of the bad guys. Yeah. Okay. Say more about that. Before you do, we had the same conversation about John McBride because we oh, never. Did we? Yeah, we were like John McBride the whole book. I thought he was the bad guy. Am but I just I, have I just like listened to too much true crime? I think you you are a cautious person in the world. That's like if somebody is following you around in their vehicle and conveniently shows up every place that you are at mm-hmm. and calls your house five times, like red flag i guess i just like i don't believe in coincidences i guess so it's like you know what are the odds that this cute guy who's my age and happens to be single is here like just to save the day for me like him jumping into her car to move it didn't like that at all yeah that was not Um, that did not feel good that felt like i'm i'm covering I'm now covering an opportunity that I took to, like, find something out about it. To snoop in your car, right? Yeah. And now I'm going to cover it as I'm moving your vehicle. Um, then the whole, like, I'll I'll escort you to the auto body shop. Um, and then he happens to find this. Like, there were just all of these coincidences that allowed him to keep getting close to her. Which, okay, from a... Suspicious. You know, from a, you know preteen teenager standpoint it's very romantic and lovely and love wonderful it's like a jaded 38 year old i'm like what is this guy's angle he's a serial killer he's totally a serial killer i agree i agree okay i I feel better now i had the same feeling i'm like i know who you are because of the lore of nancy drew right that is all it is keeping you off of my docket Mm -hmm. of yes my suspicion list you're the killer yep like if this if this book were a horror movie, like we would have been screaming at the screen, like Nancy, it's, it's don't Ned. No, it's Ned. It's don't go downstairs. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I totally agree. Thank you. I will. Can I say something in 
Yes. Defensive Ned. As many. Yeah, and, and like, and listen, I like, I'm not coming down on Ned. I think I'm coming down on the writing, but go on. No, I. You are 100% correct. Obviously, my best friend Helen is still missing. We will probably <sighs> never hear from her again. It is. Horrible. So upsetting. Helen has not been referenced at all in the last couple of books. I kind of felt like Ned had a, had some moments in this book where he brought back the Helen-esque one-liner that made me laugh out loud. And I quote, <laughs> Ned said, he's about as popular as a tiger who's escaped from the circus. <laughs> and I was like, that just had a, a little echo of Helen in it. And I felt like she was there with me in the moment. And I'm like, if Ned is my anchor point back to at least some of the joy that Helen brought me, I will take it. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, because it, yes, it does feel very Helen because like Helen and Ned now are both kind of like the king and queen of the dad joke, you know, as opposed Perfectly to George, said. who's mean. Yeah. And sarcastic, right? Like, Ned didn't feel sarcastic. Ned's like, I'm going to make some dad jokes, and I'm here for that. Yeah. Completely. So I was like, hurrah. Bless your soul. That was a very weird sentence, and I loved it. (laughs) Bless your soul, hurrah? Yeah. 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 It's hyphenated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, well, we need to do our boyfriend bracket. It's officially time. I've been thinking about this all night. (sighs) <sighs> okay, Karen, so I'm not going to go through everybody we've lined up because it's we still have John McBride, super handsome spy, John McBride, who carried Helen Yep. versus new, apparently not a serial killer, Ned Nickerson. Oh, man. So I don't think, I, listen, I know where this is going. Like, obviously, we know who the longstanding winner of this is going to be. And I think oh, I'm like, is the boyfriend bracket done? Cause like, no, is... this might be the end of the boyfriend bracket, but I'm like, not ready to say I'm not ready. Kelly. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say that. Like I, I wouldn't pick John McBride over Ned. I know I'm, I'm in the same place. I'm like, I think we need to wait at least one more Ned Nickerson book. I, I need decision. Ned to do more. And listen, Ned did a bunch of like kind acts in this yes, book, he which did. I very much liked. He's like helping Honey and her mom see their dad who's in jail. Yes. He's like delivering gifts to them. He's very supportive of Nancy, but he's also a little bit of a tryhard. And he he says like <laughs> multiple times, he's like, "Anything you need, Nancy. Whatever you need. I'm at." He keeps saying, "I'm at your service," and I'm like, "I don't." Like, like that was creepy to me. So, I'm I'm not ready to like go, John. What? How? How do you feel about this? No, I feel the same way. Like, I know where it's going. I, yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I don't need to repeat it all. So let's just let's just revisit the boyfriend bracket once we've both had a chance to fall a little bit deeper in love with Ned. I'm I perfect. All right, so we're we're gonna power through the rest of real world, real oh, world. How the how the mighty right. have fallen. <laughs> I know, man. Watermelon, peas, and carrots. Real world, River Heights. Um, but a couple of things to point out. Yes, Bess and George. Mm. I didn't hate George as much in this book because she wasn't as much of a jerk to Bess. She was better. She was on better she was behavior. Better. Yeah, she I was better. She wasn't great, but she was better. The other thing that George said that was unexpected for me 
was towards the end of the book when they were talking about like, I, oh, I don't remember. They were needing like physical strength for something. And George references how strong her arms are. And she says, I haven't been going to the gym for nothing, ladies. And I'm like, yeah, was that a thing back then to like go to the gym and like pump some iron? Like I didn't, I did not know that was a thing. I mean, I thought like in the 30s, if a woman went to the gym, you like basically got into one of those like vibrating waist belts. Yeah. Yes. Or it was like the pool. Yeah. Like aerobic, like pool, water aerobics. Water or aerobics. Yeah. Swimming or whatever. Yeah. But it sounds like George is like a weightlifter, which really threw me. I'm like, didn't know that activity was available to women back then. Now but we know. get it, I guess. Um, we also had, as I'm sure you realized, um, our first direct namesake appear in this book. So Wait. there was a Karen in this book. <gasps> there was. Uh-huh. I got Swedish. so excited. I got so excited. Yeah, she was like Nancy's Swedish friend from Nancy's school. Nancy's Swedish friend. Mm-hmm. I was she helped so Nancy stoked. crack. She helped Nancy crack. Um, the case of the signet ring because there was an inscription in it in Swedish. And luckily Swedish Karen always said in Swedish, the phrase wear this in luck. Why? Which I mean, why was how Karen lucky is saying that? that constantly in Swedish, but like, okay. <laughs> I, was like, I, right. I would like to tell you something. Tell me. I got, I got you a present for this. I got you a fun fact. Did you make it up or is it a real one? It's real. I Googled it. Tell me, tell me. That's from the internet. So it was like all of a sudden for the first time, we're sensing that there's a large Swedish population in this town. Yeah. And I'm like, was that a thing? Which I just, I just assumed was convenient for the story, but is it not? So we talked about this in probably episode two. So a million years ago, AKA two months ago, um, that no one really knows where exactly River Heights is supposed to be. It's a fictitious town, but it is... It is fictitious, no? It is theorized that it is a suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Many folks have thought this. And so I googled Swedish population Chicago and found a very fun fact. So this is a direct quote from the internet. In the year 1900, Chicago was the city with the second highest number of Swedish people after Stockholm, which is the capital of Sweden. No way. So a ton of Swedish people immigrated to the United States and settled in the Chicago area and the suburbs of Chicago. And I'm like, well, that stacks up. Yeah. That's very interesting. That's what I got for you. I love my present. Well... (laughs) That fun fact really leads me to my last point in this, which is there is a Swedish chef in this book. Like the Muppet. Like lingonberry tarts are discussed. Um, That concludes my TED Talk. I just have to say there was an actual Swedish chef in this book. And when I realized that, I laughed for like a minute and a half. So anyway, that's all. What is a lingonberry uh, it's, they're kind of like small, kind of tart, sweet berries. They're red, I think. You can get them at Ikea. <laughs> oh, you can. Seriously. That's right. That's yeah. right. Interesting. They, um, they kind of like, kind of cranberry-esque-ish, okay. I think. Yeah. 
Put them in a. I think they're smaller than that. Pot and they'll pop. With the, okay. All right. Lingonberry. Yeah. I'm learning all kinds of stuff. All right. Well, Kelly, final discussion of the day. Who is Nancy Drew in this book? Who is she? I don't mean to be. I don't mean to be a jerk, but I'm going to start with a dislike. Yeah, go for it. This is not the first time we've seen this in her sleuthing, but I several times in this book was like, you rely a little too heavily on your gut reaction to someone's appearance. Yes. And whether or not they should be a suspect, which one might call profiling, which is yes, a terrible, terrible sleuthing tactic. Quotes that I wrote down, direct quotes. He doesn't look like a criminal, said by Nancy Drew. She also said, I was like, this is the worst. I just can't believe that Honey's father would ever do a thing like that. She's such a sweet little thing, and her mother is a lovely person. So she immediately dismisses that Joe could have, a man she hasn't met, could have committed a crime because his wife and his daughter are nice. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that's how she kind of justifies um, not turning over the diary to the police. Mm-hmm. Because she wants to, she like wants to investigate it herself because if he didn't do it, she wants, I mean, I don't think she says it this way, but she's like going to protect him. Yeah. You know, she's like, his family's so nice. There's no way he's, yeah. he did it. They'll never see that. And I'm like, yeah. oh, good point. Like kindly of you, but not the correct way to approach this. So not good sleuthing. Um, I added one thing to the growing Nancy Drew resume this week. Yes. What was it? Handwriting analyst. When did she analyze handwriting? It's very brief. (laughs) I'm like totally missed it. And it's the first time she cracks open the diary that 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 Joe just leaves in the dust behind him. Uh And she says something like, I knew immediately, not I, it's not in the first person, but like she knew immediately it must have been written by a man because of the insert adjectives about the style of handwriting here oh i totally missed that she's like oh it's a very like bold like close together it's basically like all caps like interesting handwriting and she's like so it's clearly a man and then we just are like it's been written by a man like we know that to be true now so now now it's a fact yes her resume edition it's called graphology is handwriting analysis i learned i didn't know that either yeah, so that's on there. Um, what did you think about Nancy rushing up to the exploded house from her car, first responder style? Um, you know, I mean, I it's like on. I think it speaks to Nancy's kind heart. You know, she sees an emergency and she wants to go help. You know, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know how much people dragging out of fires you're going to be able to do in like a kicky little dress and a sensible pump, but I give her credit for trying, you know? So I don't know. How did you feel? I I was kind of like, if I didn't know it was Nancy Drew, I'd be like, get out of here. Let the professionals do their work. Like a house blew up. People are in danger. Right. Stop being a, maybe, maybe call somebody with water and hoses. Like, she could be a little bit uh, too much in those situations, but it's Nancy. So, like, she is actually a doctor, as we know, et cetera. So maybe, <laughs> you know. She stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> she, she did. Yeah. No, she's a graphologist and a skin diver and a doctor. 
It, she she's everything ornithologist. <laughs> Don't you want to know what she's going to like major in in college? Because I guarantee you, it's something really nineteen thirties women oriented. Like what would like that quilting? Even be? <laughs> I got like major, major in quilting and like French cooking. She's and, like, just adding these things to my toolkit, man. Yeah, you never she's know. Like, she's like, don't worry about it. Like, I can get certified in everything that matters down at the community college. But, you know. This is a passion I'm project. A, I'm a graphologist, <laughs> you know. This is my passion project. Exactly. I think one of the, the things that is making both of us feel better is that she is doing a better job of bringing backup with her in situations. Yes. She's not. Yes. And did you notice that, like, right, sorry I interrupted you, but, like, did you also notice that they repeatedly mention how they're going to stop it at telephones to call home and tell their parents where they're going? Oh, good Repeatedly. Yeah. Even Ned does it. Yeah. Yes. I did not put that together. But, yes, they're, like, leaving the breadcrumbs now Uh so that they don't. They're vanish. going as a team. They're leaving some breadcrumbs. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. yep. And like, yep. let's be real. Like George and Bess, I maybe you disagree, but I don't feel like they're providing a ton of sleuthing value. Girlfriend. No. But like they're there. <laughs> they're there. I mean, they're just going to be the second and third ones murdered by Ned <laughs> when we discover he's a serial killer. But like, correct. They're there. They'll right. at least go together. So th- I, th- it makes me feel safer that they're around, yes. even though they fall asleep in like two seconds when a crime Bess is was being... like immediately over it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's like, can we, can we go now? And Let's it's like, home. it's just midnight. We've only been out here for four hours. Chill, Bess. <laughs> yes. No. Never going to take you on a stakeout again. Bess, Bess says, is like, I wanted to go on a date tonight. I've canceled it four times. I didn't want to be here. They think the Bess. Bess and George think it's midnight and Nancy's like, it's 10. We've been here for like <laughs> no, 15 minutes. Like, it's calm 10 o'clock. down. Calm down. Um, okay. Final point, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I cannot wait for your reaction. Will you describe, well, actually, will you describe in words the ending of this book? <laughs> As opposed to. Because it is the greatest ending of an... Like, though this book was not our favorite, the ending was clutch. (laughs) Yes, it was perfect. So, the, you know, the last two sentences of almost every book are just like, you know, a wrap-up. You know, Nancy returned to knitting her sweater until the next mystery came along. (laughs) Yes. This one was amazing. I've read it three times. Um... Ned comes over again. I'm surprised he doesn't just have like a bedroom made up for him now. Um, and says, Nancy, I'm thinking about writing a diary. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, really? And he goes, Yeah, but only if you'll be in every entry. <laughs> you know, he's basically, I think, I mean, I assume that's basically him like in this roundabout dorky way trying to be like will you be my girlfriend a hundred percent well he says yeah because he says only if every entry is filled up with like dates with you or something like that he wants to he wants to go steady (laughs) he wants to go steady he wants all of her dates he's trying to lock her down yep and nancy 
doesn't giggle. She doesn't go, oh, that would be great. Oh, buy that diary tomorrow and fill her up, Ned. Um, she doesn't even say like, <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll go out with you, you know, or I mean, take me to, take me to a dinner and we'll see how it goes and we'll go. For no, she says, we'll, we'll see. Like, hopefully another mystery comes along soon that we can work on together. Yes, she does. She's like, uh, I don't she know. She gives him nothing. Nothing. Zero. If I, here again, if I didn't know any better, I would think he was getting the big Dirk brush off. I 100% agree. That is how she has dismissed everyone else in the boyfriend bracket and is like, best of luck. And if I see you, I see you. Yeah. No need to buy that diary, Ned. If another mystery comes along in Maple Grove, I think it's been a different maple every time I've mentioned it, but wherever (laughs) it is, Maple Oaks, Maple Heights. Maple Twins. um, (laughs) Twin Maples. um, (laughs) I'll give you a call. Yeah. You know, if I need any more, you know, sad mother and daughter combos run out to the jail, I'll I'll blow you up. But like, yeah, she basically is like, you're great to work with, but don't plan on anything else. I'm a busy lady. And we know that's not what happens. We we know. And I love I I loved that. Best Na- Nancy learning of I the book. It. Like, mm-hmm. you got to you got to earn this, Ned. Yeah. Well, I, like, I cannot wait to see how Ned shows up more. He's clearly got a lot of time on his hands that he can use to follow her around and help Sleuth. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, All right. Well, that, Kelly, we are at the end of our time together. I have have concluded our time. I have one open question i mean (laughs) oh my gosh i'm so excited i love there are nothing but open questions in this book but yes i'm excited for this one oh man you nailed it like this book as you already addressed and the things we're salty about riddled with open questions but this is more of a philosophical inquiry into like the Mm -hmm. general story arc of nancy drew but like okay this is also me watching too much true crime but so at this point in our journey nancy has put like so many people in jail Mm mm-hmm so many, so many people. And it's not a big town. So she is, she has no anonymity. She's very recognizable. She's distinct. Mm-hmm. Being the true crime lover that you are, mm-hmm. do you feel concerned about her general day-to-day safety? Because I feel very worried that somebody's going to like put a whack out on her. I don't even know if that's how you mm-hmm. say it, but like, I'm, I'm worried for her. Like witness protection or I don't know. Uh, well, Nancy is not a witness. No, she's the, she's, she, I don't even know what she is. She's like the unemployed person. <laughs> she's like the PI. She's like the private eye. Yeah, private but una- unofficial. And that's just like nabbing all of the bad guys everywhere in River Heights. Uh, so to, to answer your question, yes. Um, <laughs> I am worried for her because lest we forget she has already been targeted because of Carson's involvement in prosecuting the underworld. Oh, yes. You're and right. lack in. Yep. So the odds that this doesn't eventually come back to bite Ms. Drew in the behind are, I feel, slim to none. Um, it does seem like, and, and maybe this is, maybe this is going to work in her favor, that as a young woman in 1930-something, she's kind of floating under the radar. You know, I'm I'm sure that she is still being underestimated. 
And there's no, there's no there's internet. There's no internet. There's no cell phones. There's no, right. So, you know, unless she's getting, that, that's not to say that she's not potentially going to face backlash when people get released from jail or by their family members or whatever. So, yeah, I mean. I just feel like. It could be a problem. You know, in a movie when there's like the person who's been for years like obsessed with someone and then they've got all the newspaper clippings about them all over the wall. Like someone in River Heights is in a dank basement with every Mm -hmm. newspaper clip, like Nancy Drew's skin diver certification that we know was in the newspaper. (laughs) And they've got just like a wall of Nancy Drew and they're like, I'm going to get her. Yep. And they've like scratched out her face. I'm going to get this girl. And I, I, I can just picture it and I'm like, Nance. They're probably doing it some in some hidden passage somewhere. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm scared. Well, that would be an interesting book number eight. <laughs> it, it would. <laughs> it would. So um, not to belabor the point, but this week we are rating Nancy Drew and the Clue in the Diary out of 12 possible signet rings. <laughs> and just in full disclosure, Karen. Yes. I almost went with a Lingonberry Tart rating system. <laughs> But I decided to go with signet rings instead, and maybe we will add lingonberry tarts to our future cooking episode instead. Oh, we'll make lingonberry tarts. With, you'll make you know, a, you'll make a lingonberry tart. I will make a the, pop tart in the microwave. <laughs> with the, we'll make them with the robust Ohio lingonberry crop, and um, you know, in Floating Island. Perfect. And I'll go tin the in- bread. I'll interview someone at Ikea about what a lingonberry actually is. Girl, that'd be great. And awesome. I bet they won't know. Um, so, Karen, what say you? Out of 12 possible signet rings, what do you rate? I'm going to give this book a... Oh, man. I don't... See, I don't remember I'm any of my judge. other ratings. I'm going to give it a six. A six signet rings. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I'm, yeah. Why? I, I'm going to, I added signet rings because Ned showed up. I removed signet rings because I don't love Ned yet. And I removed, the the reason that it is only six is because there was no carnival. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, I I agree. I'm now all upset that there wasn't a carnival either. I'm sorry I And I'm hungry for, for a caramel apple. So. What is your rating? Uh, I'm giving it a five. Oh. Yeah, I'm giving it a five. Um, You know, mostly just because I like I actually genuinely enjoyed this book, but it just didn't rate up high enough with like the bungalow mystery and lilac in and some of the other ones that we've loved so much. So yeah, um, yeah, it just wasn't the tightest plot structure and felt a little boring, I think, you know. So yeah, I'm giving it a five. So we average out of 5.5. All right. I, yeah. I love when it's a point something because I like seeing how you do that in the Instagram posts. Thank you. Design, no, I, all, design challenge. Was, <laughs> that, that was, uh, it did factor in my discussion on choosing a ring over a lingonberry tart. So, <laughs> well, sister, what are we reading next? Next week, we'll be talking about Nancy Drew and the naming convention deviation, otherwise known <laughs> as Nancy's mysterious letter. Ugh. Uh, I got. I got to say, I'm like completely bugged by the title discrepancy. No, I am too. So they've all been Nancy Drew and the something previously, right? right? Mm-hmm. So I, my only thing that I know about this book, I looked it up briefly, is that I think that there is another Nancy 
in the book is my hunch. Ooh. And so it's a mysterious, it's, it's Nancy receives a mysterious letter from someone else named Nancy is my suspicion. But mm. I, I don't know if I read that correctly. So intra, intra, that would be a, uh, that would be a twist. Okay. Yeah. We'll um, find out. We'll find out. And as always, thank you so much for listening. If you are so inclined, please rate, review, and subscribe. We love you all so much. Um, it's been so fun to hear back from you about listening to this. And um, you can find us on Instagram at It's a Clue Podcast or on our website at It's a Clue.com. Woohoo! Uh, and Karen, remember what we learned today in the clue in the diary. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> If your car gets hit in the bumper, it's probably best just to rip it all the way off. <laughs> or, or get your signet ring resized so you don't drop it at a crime scene. Truth. Yeah, or, that's true. <laughs> or never trust a handshake deal with somebody nicknamed Foxy. Oh my God. So many good life lessons. <laughs> and with that, happy, happy sleuthing. sleuthing. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. It-